This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio. In the program News Analysis, now we bring you a discussion on developing defence sector of India. The participants are Lieutenant General Vinod Bhatia, defence expert, and Ajay Banerjee, journalist. The Ministry of Defence has done some exceptional work in the past few weeks. What those these things which are happening? General Bhatia, at the moment, just two days ago, military medicine exercise was being done with uh, the Shangri-La Cooperation Organization agent called the SCO countries, which includes China, India, Russia, other countries. What is the impact or what is the meaning of this military medicine exercise? Does it help our doctors exchange better ideas on military medicine? Because military medicine will be a totally different subject than normal medicine. Could you explain to our listeners what does this mean? Under the SCO, the eight nations and all the eight nations are here except Pakistan. Of course, seven nations are here. A participant didn't come. This exercise is planned in the SCO under the edges of the SCO, and it's a military two-day workshop which started uh, yesterday. That is on the 12th, and it's finishing today in the evening. Aim was to interact with each other and learn uh, the military medicines. And basically, military medicine is slightly different from normal medical care because uh, in conflict zones, the number of casualties increase, and there are places where you have to, you know, what what we know as a golden hour, and then the evacuation methodology is different, and the treatment is in echelons. So basically, we get down together and learn from each other, get the best practices from each country, learn the practice of each other country, and then imbibe them. Uh, so that was the aim of the exercise, and uh, I think it has gone off very well. We had representations from seven countries, and even some observer nations which are there for them. They were also there. So I think it's a very good thing that's happened. This is going to continue. Next year, also, we are doing a good seminar like this on the SU, under the SU edges, uh, which is Women in the Armed Forces. That's being done in November next year, and that's been done under Center for Joint Warfare Studies. Uh, since uh, you are also heading the Center for Joint Warfare Studies, when you talk about different kind of injuries in militaries, of course, listeners would be aware that a road accident or something is a normal civilian injury. But in the military, it could be a bomb blast, it could be a bullet injury, and those can be very fatal within a lesser period of time than compared to a road accident. So does military medicine take into account these aspects which are different from normal civilian medicine? Multiple reasons, actually. These could be normal sickness, uh, these could be terrain-related sickness, this could be stress orders based on the hazards of the job, the extractor, and uh, this could be in contact. When we say in contact, this could be gunshot wounds, this could be blast, this could be even normal peacetime uh, training injuries. This could be mine blast because, you know, our line of control has got mines out there. We have mine injuries there. So, and, uh, you know, we have head injuries there. So, multiple factors in these injuries. And uh, we have to take uh, even peacetime. If you look at peacetime also, the stress-related injuries also, stress-related factors also there. So, these are treated and treated immediately. Some of them, like uh, gunshot wounds and all, the evacuation methods are different. They treatment as far forward as possible. And uh, that gives us, there's a resource constraint in that. How much can we do? And um, as most of the armed forces, especially the army, is deployed in the underdeveloped regions, so our the army facilities also open to the civilians out there. Uh, who do not have any other medical avenues. Every civilian area has got uh, different factors because of the terrain, because of the altitudes, because of cultural issues out there. So military, military medicine is slightly different from what we normally see in the medical care in the cities, in the metros, and even in rural areas. And this exercise which we are doing will have multiple issues which doctors will attend from our militaries from other countries that have also come in and they will exchange the best ideas what is happening, say, in various injuries. Is that the idea of this exercise, sir? That is the idea of the exercise to buy the best practices in the militaries around the world. So we have seven nations out there. We look at uh, each other's methodology of treating. And you see, it's not a treatment. It is even the injuries, prioritization of the injuries. And uh, every military has got its own uh, compulsions and own ways of uh, doing things. Resources are always a constraint for the militaries world over. It's not only uh, world over the militaries have a resource constraint. 
and especially where the medical is concerned, when you have to deploy, like the Indian Army is deployed all over our northern borders, our western borders. So our medical has to be as far forward as possible because it is a golden hour that matters. First hour, if you can save a man, then the chance of survival increase by about 70 to 80 percent. That is the Indian way of looking. And so we look at the, what the other countries are doing. They have similar, of course, uh, things. But the evacuation methods are also there. So we learn from each other. We invite the best practices. We will move on to another subject which is now in the middle of what is happening in the Ministry of Defense. An important development in the Make in India project, bulletproof jackets. These jackets are used by our military jivans in the counterinsurgency and counterterrorist areas and also in case of combat in places which are unknown. These bulletproof jackets protect the lives of our soldiers. The Indian Army has ordered a certain number of jackets. We need around 3.50 lakh jackets in the Indian Army. Process is on. In the meantime, there is very good news that bulletproof jackets now made in the country by a certain company are to be exported to other countries. But yes, sir, you have seen this happen right in front of your eyes in the past 10 years. You have seen this bulletproof jacket tender go through the Indian Army, how we got those newer jackets or lightweight jackets, and how this is now being exported. How do you feel about it, sir? This is a weakness we had for many years. Uh, for the last 10 years, we've been trying to get bulletproof jackets. 1.86 lakh jackets have been first lot. Finally, they have come through because uh, the older jackets which are procured were heavy and almost life expired. Uh, bulletproof jackets are essential for survival because if you have the soldier protection is required, force protection is required, his personal protection is required. And without a bulletproof jacket, the soldier also loses trust in, in his fighting abilities because he's, he's got no protection whatsoever. So the present jackets are now indigenous. And uh, we are not only making it for the Indian Army, we are also exporting it to various countries. We have really come of age where the bulletproof jackets are concerned. These are modular jackets and they come in three sizes, you know, small, medium and uh, large sizes. And uh, so the, these are modular. So if you want extra protection, if you are going to, in a, let's say, room entry in a contact, so then you will not need more protection. You need the collar, like this thing, you need leg guards and, you, uh, you know, below the waist also the certain protection is required and uh, trauma packs are there. But if you are doing normal uh, thing and you think that the contact is going to be not imminent, these jackets, whatever you may say 10 kgs, 11 kgs is heavy and especially in the mountainous region, the altitude region so you, you can actually take it as per your mission and as your task. So these are advantages we have and the, and the indigenous sector is what is more encouraging is that it is indigenous sector which is producing these jackets now and not only for Indian Army but for some of the foreign armies also. When you talk modular, does it mean that these uh, bulletproof panels kind of irremovable and addable and some can be added near the neck collar in case a room entry is being done in case of a counter-terrorist operation? Are they removable and addable, that kind of stuff? Uh, yes, they are removable and addable. But you can add on as per you require, like you have groin pads and you have collar pads which can add on a little bit of shoulders also. You and can to understand when you are on a long range patrol, you remove them and just the chest correct, part absolutely. is there. If you are out for it's a longer period where you think that it is not for contact is not imminent with the with the terrorists basically but you have to dominate a certain area or you're in a vehicle bound uh, this thing so you can go a little lighter in that even your pa trauma pads and all they can add it on uh, depending on the mission so the mission specific you can tailor made it to the requirements so this is a major make in india success story do you think uh, you work in a major think tank of the country do you think that such products or what are other such products in which India can do better? Because if I remember correctly, the Ministry of Defense has set a target of export of around 70,000 crores over the next five, seven years. That is the target, and we are doing something like 10, 12,000 crores at the moment. Do you think that more such products can be made in India, military products, and be exported to countries which are which may not be able to buy that expensive product from, say, the NATO countries or from Russia or from China, but be able to buy the product made in India, a cheaper cost of labor, and the dollar-rupee rate conversion will make it much cheaper for a smaller country? Do you think we have the potential to do that? We have the potential to do that, but some of the years our systems have not encouraged uh, indigenous production. And this is something which all seems to be corrected at long last. We have to go for self-reliance and defense manufacturing. We are a big 
nation, we are a risen nation, responsible nation, and our military power will be dictated by the defense industrial base. Currently, our defense industrial base is limited to only 41 ordnance factories and 9 DPSUs, and very limited in the private sector. I think we need to encourage the private sector, we need to have private-public sector partnerships, and we've got to make sure that in the mid to long term, we are not only self-sufficient in defense manufacturing, but we become a net exporter of defense manufacturing. That's what the government aims at, and we are moving towards that, but it is a long haul, let me also say that, because presently about 60% of equipment, unfortunately, is ex-imports. Uh, so this we need to reduce. When it is ex-imports, and with the, given the budgets we have, and the budget constraints will be there as we have national competing priorities, we have to optimize the budget. How do you optimize the budget if you are going to be dependent on someone else for your basic needs? So today we have the artillery guns which are being produced indigenously. The is there, the attacks is there. And we have other products that are coming up. This needs a lot of focus on it. And that is what uh, I think the Ministry of Defense has done. They're focusing on Make in India. They're focusing on uh, Make 1, Make 2. And they're focusing on defense manufacturing within India. India. And three, two corridors are coming up. One in Coimbatore and uh, the south and one in uh, Uttar Pradesh. See, so when you talk of make one and make two. Could you explain what does it mean? There are various parts of make in India, is it? It is the way when you categorize the requirement of the armed forces. So you have make one is that means you can make in India, make two is again you can make in India and the third thing is you can make in India, but get the technology and then you make in India. So various, so depending on the equipment and the needs of the equipment. So there is another good news from the Ministry of Defense. The army for the first time is conducting entry of women into the Jawans. By Jawans I mean the other ranks. They have been conducting physical interest tests for girls and women all across the country. They will be going to the civil military police, which you will be handling. The army has a military police system to viewers, which is manned by so far only by men. And this is the first area in which the army has allowed women as other ranks. Women are allowed as officers in the Indian Army, in certain streams as regular permanent commission, in certain streams as child service commission. But the first entry of women in the ranks, other ranks, so-called Javans, till now, what will this mean? What will these women do? And are, will they be going to combat or no? What is the future? For the, in the initial bit, uh, the, in 91, 92, the women came as officers only. And they came to the supporting services. Then slowly still they came to supporting arms and then to the arms. So we have evolved. They, we have found the women entries very, very useful. They're very good. And uh, we need to exploit them, uh, their potential and all. And especially in, you know, areas of counterterrorism and all, we'll deal with the general public. So they have a healing touch out there. And now we are enrolling uh, women at the grassroots level. That is not the men is the wrong word, at the other ranks level. We'll get them to the, at the soldier level, at the non-officer rank level, at the Javans level. Initially, they're coming to the, as the provost person, that is the military police. And uh, once they come to the core of military police, they'll be deployed all over, both in peace and in field. And in field, they will assist in a very big way because the women give a sort of a different touch to an operation, especially when you're in counter-terrorism operations. We have to go with the police women and all, and sometimes they're not available, so we can really, we find it very difficult to operate when they're not there. They give confidence to the general public out there, to the families out there, when they are operating out there. So I think it's a very good thing that this has happened and uh, once uh, they come into the CMP, that's the core of military police and uh, let's see how it go, uh, takes on from there. Also come to the other support services and all. We have to look at the long term, see how we can fit them into the uh, into them and optimize uh, their potential. I always remember when we go to cover these uh, disaster moments, I always note one thing in the past 15-20 years, there is always a woman doctor available and I always notice that and the woman doctor has the most amount of patients coming to her, especially women in the rural areas who have been disaster struck and these women form a good opinion of the Indian Army. So to carry on this discussion about... Can this. I take a minute out here? Yes. When the Uttarakhand floods were there in 2013 June and this uh, lady doctor of ours, woman you talked about, sent a 
apparently after she slithered down in a very remote area in, in one of the sectors where there is no doctors there and she delivered a baby so that is what they can do i have noticed this always that military even the navy and the air force do that that uh, the women doctors are yep. on duty right in Absolutely. disaster and they are actually yeah. the face of the yeah, forces then actually at that given point of time because those rural women living in remote areas sir i'll take you on to the two critical exercises the indian army is at the moment conducting and very importantly we are simultaneously conducting size one with russia multilateral exercise and one a bilateral exercise with the us at the moment in the us it's called the yuddha abhyas it's a continuing series at the moment the exercise on in the us territory what is the kind of experience we gain from the us in this because i was noticing yesterday pictures and videos were released there were some joint operations using the chinook heavy lift helicopter which we also operate now and also the apache attack helicopter some kind of new gun sites were tried out some new sniper weapons were tried out what is the kind of experience in now we will gain from that all these exercises which we have combined exercises joint exercises which we call other nations bilateral and multilateral both multilateral we only do under the sco right now all the bilateral exercises are done on the un charter basically and for hadr these are only two charters and uh, we learn from each other we apply the best practices to each other we learn about the equip the uh, standard operating procedures uh, so there is a lot to learn and we gain in confidence and, we, and main thing is we we develop respect for each other defense diplomacy as i call it is a very integral part of diplomacy we had neglected for some time right now i think india is exercising uh, with 30 odd countries we do exercises with so when the militaries get together we do do exercise china also and the multilateral forum we done exercise with pakistan also and good in the su uh, yuddha pass is about 15 years old now the first one was in 2005 i have been for yuddha pass uh, both uh, in india and in us we get so much respect for each other skills we we learn skills from each other especially with the americans you know they got better weapons that we learn technology and they learn from us how we do our drills and they were quite fascinated that we perform and the way we move the way we do things our demeanor our tactical uh, aspects and all uh, they were very very good because fortunately indian army is one of the most battle hardened combat rich army being in battle for so long and uh, so the indra is one part of it the second is the multilateral exercise which is russia under the su russians do massive exercises very very big exercises last year they had done russia today the multilateral exercises there with the su countries so we learn to interoperability we learn and we learn to interact with each other we gain from each other experiences and uh, if tomorrow if need be under the un you see under the un the india is the second largest contributor of the un and in the un we function together so it makes our job much easier thank you for talking to us thank you you were listening to a discussion on developing defense sector of india the participants were lieutenant general vinod bhatia defense expert and ajay banerji journalist This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks@gmail.com.